Welcome to the Meaningful Revolution podcast, where we talk about people's passions and hope to inspire you to your own. We also answer the question, what if you could just add 1% more meaning to your life every day for the next year? So join us on this Meaningful Revolution. I'm your host, Sean Butner, Certified High Performance Coach, and we have a really great episode for you today, so let's get into it. Today, we are talking with Michael Seeley. He's a licensed psychotherapist and owner of Seeley Counseling um, out of Berkeley and in Florida right now. He also serves clients uh, in Florida at the Men's Counseling Florida and Wisconsin and Madison Online Therapy. Um, he's really passionate about mental health. He's the founder of the Men's Therapy Directory, a website dedicated to helping men access counseling resources. He's also a former competitive cyclist, and during his cycling career, he had won two state titles and uh, twice went to Olympic trials. So aside from his counseling practice, Michael provides mental performance coaching to athletes. So Michael, welcome. Hi, Sean. Great to be here. Today, we are going to be talking about athlete mental health and performance. And so I'm really excited to get into this topic with you. So uh, first, could you, uh, um, is there anything that I missed in the intro that you'd like to add or how could you really tell us how you got into athletes, mental health, and performance? Sure. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I'm really excited about your uh, your podcast here and hopefully it can contribute some value. Um, to answer your question, I have been an athlete my whole life. And I, you know, I got into psychotherapy as a profession. And in doing so, I realized that I really had an ability to work with athletes because, well, that's a lot of my background. And so I got really interested in first in mental performance for athletes, how athletes can be, take two athletes who've trained exactly the same, you know, similar backgrounds, one um, in the key moment, like chokes and doesn't quite deliver. The other one does, or, or certain athletes will have uh, will be burned out or go into slumps and others won't found it really fascinating and trying to find the reasons why that happens um, and then in doing exploring um, mental performance i also got interested in just overall athletes mental health so that when athletes um you know they're not immune to depression or anxiety and it's um i got fascinated in how that manifests in athletes because athletes can really use their sport to kind of cover up some of those, those issues. Um, so it's like a, a positive coping mechanism sometimes for people, but it can also mask some, um, some depression, anxiety symptoms that maybe need to be treated. So um, yeah, you know, my background in athletics, I just love sports. And so that's the population I really enjoy working with. Oh, right on. So um, I'm curious then, was there a particular moment in your life that really set you down this path or is there a particular time where you noticed it in a client or someone out in the world where it really was like, oh, I really need to like settle in on this. Yeah, I think we we had talked about this two of us before. Uh, when I was 15, um, I got sent to therapy by my parents <laughs> because my parents were getting divorced and they said, go to therapy. And I was pretty reluctant. And, you know, thankfully, I had a great therapist. And at that time, I was getting really involved in bicycle racing just starting to do well, just really enjoying it a lot, doing, doing well. And this guy really helped me with my performance in, in cycling. 
And not only that, but also in my overall mental health. So he gave me really like a lot of education about psychology and really um, helped me up my game in my sport. He was, he pointed out how I was holding myself back and playing it safe. And it was, he was very direct, very honest, very down to earth. And I really appreciated that style. I think that planted a seed actually for me to kind of follow in his footsteps later on um, because it was such a powerful, positive experience um, that, uh, that I got into it as a profession. So that was really the start of it, was being fortunate enough to be um, involved with the therapist early on. And um, yeah, that's kind of the start of the whole, whole journey for me. Wow, okay. Um, that's awesome. So I'm curious too, like, did you think you were going to be a professional athlete at that time in life and you were pursuing that? Or did you, after that experience, think like, oh, I want to get into therapy and try to meld these worlds? At the time, I was very much set on becoming a professional athlete. Okay. I, um, you know, I didn't do so well in high school. I kind of sacrificed that. I traveled a lot and raced a lot. And, you know, maybe in my back of my mind, subconsciously, I'd thought about becoming a, you know, a psychotherapist later on. But at the time, I was very much set on not going to college and just like really pursuing bicycle racing uh, professionally. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Cool. So, um, could you maybe talk a little bit about the transformation that you had? Um, and like, so that was the beginning, like the seed of where you started to really get interested in this topic. Um, but what do you hope you can give to other athletes and other folks um, that you help through your practice? Um, and maybe yeah. some nuggets that, that you learned along the way. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, there's the obvious, you know, training from grad school and all that, all that good stuff. Um, life experience. Um, I think also, you know, I've stayed in touch with the bicycle racing scene my whole life. So I've followed um, some high-level athletes, um, local athletes who have had some mental health issues, mental performance issues. Um, so I, I, I've seen what works and what doesn't work. And so um, what I try to deliver to my clients is um, just my experience, my own passion for the sport. And it's, I, I also want to provide them with education too. That's, I think that's really important. Sometimes what's missing, say from counseling or sports psychology is um, really educating the client a lot, assigning reading, um, get, being more transparent about the process. Um, I think that can be really helpful too. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Um, so I'm just curious then, like, um, with this education and, and really helping people along the process, um, have there been any like unexpected opportunities that might have helped you in other areas of your life from studying performance and, and athletes and, and mental mm. health? Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, I run my own business. Um, you do too. Yeah. So you know that sometimes <laughs> there's that, that, that negative self-talk that comes up. Uh, say if you're not seeing results, you're putting in the effort, putting in the work, but you're not yet seeing the results. Similar thing can happen with athletes too. Mm -hmm. um, so I think uh, I've learned how to control my negative self-talk. Um, I don't try to you know, stifle it or smother it. I realize it's a natural human reaction that we all have negative self-talk. And so what I do is I, you know, I, I catch it as it comes up 
uh, have compassion for it actually and go, okay, I get it. I'm concerned. Like I'm interested. I'm passionate. And I kind of give it a reframe. And then I instill the positive thinking as an antidote to that. So everything I've studied in, um, in sports and in psychology, I apply it. You can apply it to really anything in your life, to relationships too, right? So if you're mad at your significant other, you can watch the self-talk going on there, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think it's a lot of just self-awareness um, of just being aware of how the human brain is wired. It's wired by default to look for problems and look for negativity mm-hmm. so that if you're able to observe that phenomenon, and, and understand the purpose for it, it's more of a survival mechanism, and move beyond that. Um, a lot of all that self-awareness comes in handy in, uh, in times of challenge in your life and really any aspect of your life. Yeah, totally. And as yeah. a high-performance coach, so we de- I deal a lot with mindset. So I, yeah. I'm curious, maybe with the, the population of athletes that you work with, and maybe other areas of your life, are there common like phrases of self-talk or categories of self-talk that aren't so negative that tend to trip people up? Or are there, there ones that people, or yeah, we'll start there and then I have a couple other. Mm-hmm. Oops. So you're asking like categories of negative self-talk, like yeah. degrees of? So it might be like, you know, I, I deal recently with a lot of like, I'm too old, to change careers, you know? So it's, I'm like, ultimately it's a feeling of not being enough and it shows up in age or experience or um, place they are in life or, you know, right. you can name it, but it's ultimately like, I don't feel worthy enough to make this change. Um, right. I do a lot of work with that, but um, maybe there's a couple others like that um, that might. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Um... You know, aside from giving you more and more examples, I would say breaking that down of what self-talk is, it's a manifestation of a belief. Okay. So the, right, so the belief is first and then it manifests in self-talk. So you hear the self-talk in your head and you take that, you don't necessarily question the belief on, on which it's founded, right? So I work in the style of cognitive behavioral therapy and what we try to do is get to the root of that. So that you say, okay, one way you could do it is you could just counter, give education around negative self-talk, normalize it, and then counterbalance that with positive self-talk. That certainly works. If you want to get deeper, and this goes maybe more into psychotherapy as opposed to performance coaching. So you want to be, you know, be mindful of that. But what I do, at least in my psychotherapy practice, is getting more to the core beliefs, right? So what would you have to believe to say that you're not worthy of this, or what would you have to believe to fall into the, the imposter syndrome um, thing? Or what would this, this self-talk that you're articulating right now, where, what would you have to believe to make, to actually say that, right? And sometimes it's, it's really simple. Sometimes it's complex, it gets into family issues, um, but depending on the, so the, the need or the goal of the client, right? If the client just wants to improve performance, you may not have to get into that deep house cleaning, right? You yeah. could just give them some education around negative self-talks and then, then give them positive self-talk to replace it. Or depending on the service that you're providing, you could do uh, psychotherapy with your client and then drill down into some of those core beliefs. Um, and that usually takes a little more time. So oftentimes athletes will want, um, will have a competition coming up like, hey, I'm really feeling off. 
you don't have time to really get into the core core beliefs. You might be able to visit a couple of them, but you want to be mindful of um, not opening up a can of worms, for lack of a better way to describe <laughs> it, right? So, you know, always having the goal of the, the client in mind. What do they want to achieve? Um, and so, you know, the tendency for me as a psychotherapist is I can see some of these things that I could do with the client, but is that, is that really going to be helpful? Do they really need to explore, you know, some of the deeper stuff? So. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting uh, because you're a therapist and a coach. Uh, and we had a we did a talk a while back about the difference between coaching and therapy, which is uh, I thought really really fun and really showed the difference between the two. And we won't have to hash yeah. that out today, but um, yeah. it's pretty interesting that um, you know because I think what you're talking about too with the psychotherapy is you're trying to like something happened or there's a belief that happened in the past that you're trying to really get at to help them right now make better choices when they need to perform mm -hmm. at that race in that example yeah. or it could be like that kind of like future envisioning or um additive type of, of thing where you're trying to get them in the most like positive performance mindset to mm -hmm. have them perform so I was just curious, like, um, when it comes to like self-talk and we may, may, maybe make that a little bit more neutral, are there yeah. things that really help performance in a, like just developing a more positive mindset? If we're going to keep in mind where we want to end up, you know, where are we trying to get with that positive self-talk, positive mindset and then mm -hmm. essence or in essence, positive beliefs, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, yeah. Um, start with mindsets and, and that first, maybe. So there's, um, if you want to think about kind of like the, the mind or thinking like, like a muscle. So the more that you repeat something, the better you get at it, right? Yeah. Be it good or bad. <laughs> so that with uh, athletes I work with and even with my, my therapy clients also, I do um, a simple exercise, which is I have them start the day with three things that they're grateful for. And I, I do this every morning also. I get a you know cheap little notebook. Uh, the night before, I write the next day's date. I write one, two, three, and I write down three things I'm grateful for. Mm. As simple, as basic as that is, um, it starts rewiring the brain to start looking for more positive things and um, not obsessing so much about the negative things. So if you can, you know, typically people are thinking negatively like right in the morning. There's most people are a little bit grumpy. Maybe they haven't had their coffee yet. And uh, they're, they're thinking, oh, I got this problem today. I got this problem today. So if you can start the day with kind of like a positive mental coffee, if you will, right? We're writing down uh, gratitude. It, it, at first, it's kind of weird. Like, at least when I first started doing this about four years ago now, um, it felt almost kind of phony. Like, this is silly. Of course, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for my health. Etc. Um, but when you start doing it for a couple of weeks, you really notice something start to shift. And what you really notice is if you skip it for a couple of days after doing it for a while, you go, God, my mood is off. Like, oh, that's right. I haven't been doing my, my morning gratitude. Um, another thing you can do is um, double down on it and then also write three things that you appreciate about yourself, three things about you that you're proud of which we're not really encouraged to do that. We're encouraged to be humble, 
like, oh, you know, I, yeah, it was nothing, right? So this is kind of like your own personal brag to yourself. Um, and you start the day like that, and it really builds that, those positive mental muscles, right? So that even um, you can catch yourself maybe falling into negativity. And if you've been doing your gratitude journaling for a couple months, they say it takes two months to start a new habit, make it automatic. Um, if you can start to use some of that, that positive mental muscle to catch yourself falling into negativity and remind yourself of, of gratitude and what you appreciate about yourself. So, Awesome. I, I love that. And I, I think to add on to it, something that I, I heard and, and want to highlight is, you know, when you mentioned when you were starting this for yourself and how it seemed kind of silly or kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I, I know I'm grateful for this. Um, yeah. My practice as a coach, I'm always listening for that with folks because it's such a like flippant, not heart, but you're not in your heart when you say yeah. something like that, you know? And I think a lot of what those gratitude stuff and personal development and um, the exercise you, you were talking about, it, it's all about getting into your heart a bit more to feel the gratitude yeah. instead of just check boxing like, oh yeah, I should be grateful that I have a house that I have good job or a career that I love. I have people and friends, you know, like it's one thing to say it. It's one thing to really um, connect with it. And I, I think that's a really, that's the power of this um, mm -hmm. technique and habit you're you sharing. Um, yeah. So uh, it's so important. I'm super stoked that you uh, shared that. So. Yeah, thanks. Well, uh, it makes me think about what you just said, like getting in into your heart, right? Mm -hmm. um, there is, there's a power of getting out of your head and into your heart. It, it really activates uh, kind of your full being, which can help you um, in decision-making a lot mm -hmm. can just help you. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, you can actually even feel it too. So like, at least for me, when I, when I do the, the gratitude, I feel um, as corny as it may sound, but like some kind of warmth in the heart area. Mm -hmm. So even chakras and stuff like that maybe there's something going on there but yes it's a good point to bring up um the the, the brain the head is is a great tool but the heart is also a great tool yeah yeah 100 percent. um and being someone that i i think tended to stay away from emotional anything like growing up <laughs> language or, um, you know, for me, my gratitude practices, like I put my hand on my heart to ha help feel that warmth. And it seems really corny. And like, I'm usually looking around to make sure people aren't around. But like, you know, yeah, um, it's the things that we do when people aren't watching that that can be the most impactful. Um, I'm curious, then, um, if you have anything else to say on mindsets before we uh, move on to the next general structured question. Well, there's always, always more to say, Sean, but uh, <laughs> let, let's forge ahead. Yeah. Okay. Let's put that horse to rest. Uh, okay. okay. Um, at, on your journey of studying performance and mental health and athletes, um, what is maybe a like low moment or dark thing that came up that or came up for you as you were learning this um, that yeah. you learned from? Because I, I think as much as there's like, you know, bunch of great things that come out of it you know the journey is always tough there's always some type of struggle um uh -huh. and just to honor that real quick is there anything that maybe comes to mind 
Well, I mean, aside from um, just in learning about psychology, getting my master's in psychology, counseling psychology, at the time, uh, it was encouraged that, that uh, the students do their own therapy. Yeah. So I went to a therapist. And so during that, during that time, I was not only um, you know, dealing with grad school stuff, learning that, um, but also doing some, some therapy. Uh, so that, you know, some stuff that gets uncovered, I won't get into details, but it's, yeah. it's like that, that house cleaning kind of thing. Like, oh, there's that thing. Ah, I haven't <laughs> thought about that in 30 years. Right? Um, so again, it's like, it, it's like a can of worms. Do I open up that can of worms or not? Is it going to be helpful? And sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Um, but I opened up a couple of cans with my, uh, my therapist. He was great, really helped me. So I wouldn't say really dark times, but like challenging and difficult. The stuff that mm-hmm. I wasn't really expecting uh, to, to deal with. And I, I had the proper guidance to deal with it. So that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing like really dark or, you know, terrible. It was more just like a little scary, a little bit scary stuff was going on. Yeah. Handled it. Um, but yeah, it, it was a journey for sure. Hmm. I'm curious then too like do you think you would have opened those cans as you you called it by yourself or did you need that structure of that relationship uh i think those cans of worms would have manifested themselves in behavior later on in life anyway okay it would have looked out somewhere yeah i think that um you know they say it's bad to suppress or repress things sometimes it's it's maybe even okay to do that, mm-hmm. right? The thing is, like, is is there something that, like, a can that needs to be opened that keeps manifesting itself in in bad behaviors? Um, that would be the question, right? So, to answer your question, I would say that there was an, enough stuff or house cleaning I needed to do so that uh, things wouldn't manifest in. And some bad behaviors later on in my life. That's that's what I believe. I can't really prove that, but that's kind of my feeling. Okay, right on. Yeah, um, I'm guessing, and maybe this is just another. We'll see where this question goes because it, it sure. came to me. So, like, how do you, if you're someone that's going about in life, or you're an athlete, really um, trying to get into the game and you know get to the top of uh, of what you do. Um, how do you self-identify that maybe you have you're dragging around some cans, <laughs> you know, tied around your waist and they're banging yeah. and leaking everywhere? Um, and how how does someone by themselves maybe raise their hand and say, you know what, I need some t- sort of coach or some type of therapy or, or guidance to get to that next level? Yeah. I think, uh, unfortunately, it comes down often to an athlete being in, a, I'll call it like a performance crisis. Okay. Um, we saw this um, kind of recently in, um, in the Olympics with, um, let's see, uh, Naomi Osaka and the tennis player, Simone Biles, the gymnast, mm-hmm. where they were like literally paralyzed, kind of uh, had to drop out. So sometimes it will be that sort of uh, performance crisis where an athlete finds themselves in a slump and they're like, I need to do something because I got no answers here. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on. Um, There may have been uh, red flags or indications before that, but athletes are really good at toughing it out. 
and <laughs> sometimes being in denial. I'm fine. I got this right. Um, another uh, athlete comes to mind, Kevin Love of the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers basketball, had a panic attack on on the court on court in the middle of the game and had to had to leave, go to the locker room. So that was that was how he got help. So oftentimes it can be that that moment where it's like, all right, like big drama. But hopefully, you know, with more education and normalization of mental health, that athletes can get help sooner. Mm-hmm. And they realize like, God, my anxiety level is really way too high here. Um, maybe I should be proactive and check it out. Um, so hopefully that will start happening more. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Like, like having the, those types of indicators where, I mean, those seem like almost really obvious. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious, maybe on the other side too, like how does maybe an average cyclist or an average football player, basketball player, um, who maybe doesn't have a lot of can of worms then go about it and get invited into this process of right, mental health? Right. Yeah. So it'd be, so we've been talking more on the, like the mental health side of, of uh, anxiety, depression. Um, so say if someone in baseline is doing relatively well, um, but maybe they want to up their performance. They think that they can, they're maybe plateaued out. They're feeling like maybe stale or something like that. Hey, I could be doing better. I've changed my training. I've changed maybe my diet. Uh, I got a new coach. I'm still not progressing the way I want, or maybe I'm doing great and I want to do even, even better. Right. So we're looking at more of like the Everything is basically fine, but an athlete maybe wants more performance. Uh, the way in there is, uh, I, again, more like the education. Uh, there is, there's been this, this history of um, like the mental game doesn't really matter in sports, but more and more um, sports psychologists are being hired full-time on professional teams, like pretty much every major sport has a sports psychologist on staff mm-hmm. and that's, that's how important that mental aspect is so i think that the the gateway in for a lot of athletes is just the normalization of uh mental performance okay. and that uh some of the i mean the best players in the world in every sport have worked with sports psychologists or some sort of a you know um, a mental performance coach so normalizing it um providing more education on it um Noticing, you know, a patterns of say a season of an athlete, where typically uh, they start off really excited, there'll be some good performance, there might be a little downturn, um, and and just looking at like it doesn't have to be that way. You can be performing at a higher level much more frequently. There doesn't need to be those slumps or downturns. You just have to know how to pace yourself, um, know about positive self talks, and a lot of you know basic stuff. Got it. So it sounds like what I'm hearing is like, if your results aren't super consistent, Mm -hmm. uh, sports psychologists or coach can really help you with that mental game to help you get a little bit more consistent results versus just how you feel in the moment that day, whether, you know, maybe the chicken you ate for lunch is now causing you to slow down or whatever. Um, Okay, that's awesome. Uh, and, the, and of course, education around it all too. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I, 
remember going through sports in high school and like that was the furthest you know from anyone's mind yeah. or it might have been used against us in weird ways yeah it would just be nice if uh in in coaching certifications they had a lot more of uh mental health uh psychology that folded into the curriculum that's getting better but it's still a lot of lack of education around that. So, I mean, we've been talking about athletes, but we should probably talk about coaches a little bit too. And depending on the type of sport that you're playing, if you're doing a team sport, especially if you're younger, the coach really is the person who sets the tone. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's okay to talk about uh, mental performance. Yeah. Right. So I think it'd be, it would be great if coaches, you know, had a lot more of that kind of training that they could impart it onto their athletes. That would be, that would be great too. A hundred percent. I mean, this concept is bringing up a, a memory of in sixth grade, I, I was on a soccer team, you know, the like district soccer team with some of my friends yeah. and probably one of the best coaches I ever had um, was this guy, coach herb. And like his whole focus was let's just have fun. We'll focus on the fundamentals and like, you know, oh, you missed that shot, laugh about it, you know, try it again, you know, it was very, very um, chill, I guess would be a good um, descriptor. And that season, we went undefeated. We were the only nice. team to go undefeated. Uh, yeah. Next year, we switched coaches, we had a yeller who was always screaming at you. And it was such a, like, contrast. And right. how you, I felt during the game, how I fought during the games, I, I could yeah. notice thinking back, like really shifted. Um, yeah. I'm curious, like, do you have any really good coaches that you've had that have really helped elevate you outside of, you know, you mentioned that therapist um, earlier that did help you with some of your sports. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, Sean, I never really did. And that's one of my oh. uh, regrets in my, in my career is that I never, um, never hired a coach. I, I had a couple of coaches, I went to uh, the Olympic Training Center a couple of times in Colorado Springs and had coaches there, but that was more just the coaches that were assigned uh, to mm -hmm. like a group of cyclists. But I never really had, um, uh, yeah, I never employed a coach. I had casual kind of coaches here and there, but no, nobody really that was uh, had a full program for me. I just, you know, I did my own training based on um, what other people did. So I, th I think the physical part I had dialed pretty good. My training was always good there, but it would have been great to have that that mental coach um, on on the side as well. That's something I didn't have. So that's you know one of the reasons why I do what I do is that that was missing for me. I'd like to provide that for people because I know uh, how much at least I think it could have helped because there's certainly you know times of uh, burnout and things like that that I went through that I don't didn't really have to go through. Right on. But that's yeah. a pretty, like, I didn't really realize. I just assumed you had coaches, so. Um, yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I wish, I, yeah, I wish I would have had more. Um, I had really some of the best, uh, you know, I would say coaching was from a couple of older cyclist kind of mentors okay. that had kind of a natural coaching tendency to them. They weren't actually coaches, but they would say, you know, a couple of things still stick in my mind, like real simple stuff like, hey, you're just as good as that guy. You should you should do this race. Right. <laughs> Something as simple as that. And like, wow, if he thinks that. Right. He's my he's my mentor. <laughs> like he's he's cool. It must be true. Right? Yeah. It was just words. But it, it, 
it, it went a long way. Um, I think that's, again, getting back to coaches, the power of your words as a coach, especially uh, younger athletes looking up to you. Wow. I mean, the responsibility, the, the, the impact, like, please, coaches out there, if you're listening, be aware of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that, you know, and that, that, that very little correction, uh, and it goes back to hitting a, maybe a, a identity belief of, yeah, you're good enough to, to, to show up and do that. Like, right. Yeah. Um, just a little, little yeah. check, whether it's, you believe that or not, but you know, that reassurance uh, can be such a powerful thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say identity. I mean, that's another great keyword, mm -hmm. uh, get into if we had more time um but that that is huge in in sports and business and life in general is that um if like in that example of say an older uh, mentor cyclist said hey you're just as good as that guy it was this it was almost like a false belief like i just took it as oh well it must be true because this guy is so great right so it was like kind of an instilled belief mm -hmm. into me but that's the power of belief, right? Yeah. And the power of identity. Oh, my identity has now shifted because this this must be true. Um, yeah, identity is huge. Yeah. Right on. Um, yeah, we, we could do a whole hour on just identity. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Definitely. About, about what's coming up in my head. Mm -hmm. um, so... I'm, I'm curious then, you know, you had some really good mentors. Uh, is there anything else maybe you learned from them? And then I was going to ask you about people you've mentored and things that you really stood out for you in that process, because that could also teach us kind of the power of what you do and, and why it's so, you're so connected to it, you know, because mm -hmm. it's all about relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, mentors are... I think it's something we need more of just in general in society. There's kind of that's, that's missing a lot. Um, but like a couple of my mentors, um, you know, aside from uh, this guy who said, you're just as good as this guy, you should do this race. There's another uh, person who comes to mind, um, a guy named uh, Bob Mianski, who was, uh, he did the, the Olympics in 1988 and he got fourth place. It was like one of the best results in a long time. Wow. And he wasn't really my mentor, but I, I trained with him a lot. And so he was kind of a mentor and I really respected him. And he, he didn't really say anything to me uh, verbally, but he, what I learned from him as, like, as a mentor was being able to uh, turn on and turn off a switch when you're competing, mm. where you, you, you get into this zone of just you know, hyper-focus, um, a real aggressive style of competing where you're, you're kind of ruthless and it, it sounds kind of dark and, but it's, it's, it's more of like knowing that it's okay to do that because it's just a game. Right. Right. As long as you're not like hitting someone with a tennis racket or something like that over the head, <laughs> but more of just like getting, you know, staring down your component, your, your opponent, um, getting, you know, in this mindset of like, no one can beat me kind of this Rocky Balboa kind of stuff is I think some athletes don't explore that because they're like, oh, I, I don't want to be a psycho. But, um, <laughs> right. but uh, Bob Mianski kind of taught me through example that you can turn that switch on and then, and then turn it off. 
so that's that's something powerful that I learned. That's yeah, such a really interesting thing. Uh, there's a, a guy that I know that was an NFL safety who talks exactly about that, where he's like friends with everyone. He's a human being. He gets on the field. The switch goes off. His whole mm -hmm. focus is to do his job and do it well, yeah. and not really think about I'm going to run and hit hit this person um, to tackle yeah. him, but I can't think that I'm going to hurt them. Like this is part of the profession, yeah. you know. And so. Um, yeah, I guess as a follow-up to that, is there any other area like in your life and the context definitely matters with this switch mm -hmm. concept that you, you've yeah. been able to to pull from that, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I use it in, in my business too. So like, um, you know, uh, recently I was, uh, I was working on a new website mm -hmm. and I'm really kind of getting into the zone, like, I'm, I'm really into, I'm into this writing right now. I'm not going to take a break again, not going psycho or any, anything unhealthy, but just, um, thinking, you know, reading uh, inspirational quotes by say, you know, Steve jobs or like Mark Cuban or something like that. Or like Mark Cuban has this, this quote, something like work as if there was somebody else trying to take your business away 24 hours a day. Oh, <laughs> right. <Wow. laughs> and it's like, okay, well, if I work that hard, right? <laughs> you know, boy. Um, and so you can turn on some of that, that high octane kind of motivation and drive. And again, so it's very aggressive kind of thing. And if you can use that kind of as like, you know, rocket fuel for short periods of time, you can get a lot done. Mm -hmm. and, and again, knowing that you're not gonna be working you know, through the night and, you know, being somewhat sane about it. But those, uh, that kind of intensity, that hyper-focused intensity in small doses can be really useful in a lot of venues for sure. Right on. So, you know, I'm a high performance coach. And so I have to ask this question. Uh, do you find yeah. that you're able to flip that switch on for a consistent and long-term period without doing damage to yourself or relationships? <laughs> uh-huh. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. I think, yeah, if, if you experiment with it and, and the more you do it and more you'll turn the switch on and off and be conscious of the fact that it is just a game, it's not life, right? So like, okay, even with a business, like when it comes down to it, uh, if you fail in business, you're still alive and you still have friends and family, right? Mm -hmm. Businesses fail every single day, you know, thousands of them. So uh, knowing that when you're turning that, that switch on of intensity, that you're still really playing a game. And um, uh, as long as you're not doing that in your interpersonal relationships, like I'm gonna get what I want out of this argument with my wife and I'm, I'm going dark, like, no, don't do that. No. <laughs> right? Like use it, use it in uh, your sport or use it in the business or something and know that it's just a tool, right? Yeah, I think yeah. that I will double underline that um, sentiment because uh, yeah, you're right. Like in relationships, not really, uh, the best tool. So right, use right. the, the hammer for the nail and not the screw, you know, so as they say, all right. Um, what do you think like the top talent or skill looks like in like athlete psychology, mental health and performance? Hmm. The top one would definitely be hunger and drive like fire. Okay. Right. Just straight out, like you look at all the top athletes, 
Um, I brought up like Steve Jobs, Mark Cuban. There's that level of obsession mm -hmm. um, coming from this internal passion or drive. So that's the number one thing. It's number one thing. Um, I could give you, I think, maybe top three characteristics. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So number one is is just straight up passion, desire, drive. Uh, the second one I would say would be um, would be discipline. So just like work ethic, mm -hmm. all the top uh, business people, all the top uh, athletes, they have a really good discipline structure where uh, they're, they're training or working. Um, and it, it can be balanced too. Like they're getting enough sleep, being really disciplined, disciplined about your sleep. Mm -hmm. That's important too. But just having, being able to adhere to discipline and structure is, is another really key characteristic. You see this, especially in top athletes. Um, and then the, I would say the third thing is resiliency. Okay. So uh, Michael Jordan comes to mind. He, um, you know, he got, I think it was his second season uh, playing in the NBA. He got uh, all, like, almost a career-ending injury. It might have been his first season, I forget, but he was out like half the season with a knee injury, and he was just driving him nuts because he was <laughs> very passionate. Yeah. And so he was resilient. He said, okay how can i make the best of this and not get depressed and so he did he went into the weight room and like just did a ton of weights <laughs> and people weren't really doing that at the time and he had a great trainer to help him too uh, but i think resilience is a big one so it's inevitable in your career be it business or sports or whatever that you're going to have a downturn you're going to have losses and how do you how do you handle that those losses that resiliency is what really matters because um, at the end of the day, there's a lot of athletes, a lot of business people just quitting. It's like, oh, you know, I had this loss and ah, I just, I can't deal with this. And they just quit. Um, mm. and so simply not quitting <laughs> is resiliency, right? Yeah. Simply just not quitting. And then the numbers game, you're still going to be there and you're just going to maybe build more slowly. Um, but yeah, resilience, being able to handle, uh, losses in, in a productive way. I, lo I love that. Um, yeah. So I was wondering then, um, do you think that these are three things that people can actually create and generate in their lives? Or is it something that you're kind of born with? You know, um, mm. some people will say, I'll never be a Michael Jordan because he is like the best. Uh, I'm sure yeah. It's contended now, maybe, but, you know. But yeah, yeah. I. I think with the, the first one, so again, it's, um, you know, it's drive, uh, discipline, and resiliency. Those are top three. Yeah, I, I kind of, I vacillate between like that being an inherent kind of personality, unmutable characteristic, like having that intense drive and passion. And there's certainly people who are like born with that, um, even physiologically, that like you could see that after a couple of weeks after birth, they've done studies on personality traits mm. um, with, with babies. Like I think it was they did like two thousand babies over like a twenty year stretch or something like that, and the, they predicted personality traits after a couple of weeks uh, just by observation. Wow! And they were super accurate. So they um, they call it uh, temperament is the word. Um, okay. So I would say temperament has a lot to do with it upbringing, of course, uh, things like that. I also think that everyone has something inside them that they're really interested in. They don't have to necessarily be passionate about it 
Like that's kind of a buzzword. I got, you gotta be passionate. It's like, well, maybe not necessarily. Is there just something that you just like something right. that you're interested in? And I think everyone has that. So if you can find that, um, through conversation with, uh, the, with a coach, for example, like, what is it? One thing I like playing checkers, right? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And you maybe feel like a nerd about it. It's like, no, well, like, great. Tell me about checkers. Oh, I love, you know, the design of the boards and like, they get really into it. So that's your thing, right? If you find that thing, then if it's important enough for you, uh, if you're interested, and I won't use passion, I'll use the word interest. If you're interested enough in it, then you can get the, the discipline. You can get the resiliency because you're always reminding yourself that what you're doing, what your mission is, is it's important. So it's got to be important. Um, so I think you can leverage that, uh, that passion in people to varying degrees. I think also some people are, are just born with it. And that, that comes with its own baggage too, because sometimes you can't turn off the flame, right? right. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. Sweet. Um, then, curious, like, speaking of, did you have any big, like, influences on the mental health or performance aspect that, you know, you look up to or that have informed how you built your coaching program or help how you focus your psychology practice? Mm -hmm. um, that if other people were interested in this topic, it's like, oh, you'd have to like read these three people, watch these three people. Like these are really the three yeah. people to follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say um, Michael Gervais comes to mind. Yeah. He's a sports psychologist. Um, I believe the last name is uh, G-E-R-V-A-I-S, I think. Um, he brings a lot of present moment awareness into into sports mm -hmm. um, which can be a really powerful tool it's uh, a lot of athletes have difficulty with it because they want to go 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 goals as before but this is more of just noticing present moment like what's going on it can really help you tune into things that are working or not working so i'd recommend him um also ed mylett that's m-y-l-e-t-t He's not necessarily a sports guy. Well, he has background in baseball, but um, he has a lot of great uh, strategies. YouTube channel's great. Um, I mean, there's so many people out there. Uh, Brendan Burchard, you're a big fan. I'm a fan as well. Um, it, it, once you start uh, tuning into those people, the YouTube algorithm starts sending other <laughs> other folks your way, right? right. Uh, but you know, really uh, just positive psychology kind of people who, who believe in... Um, just cultivating the, the positive mental attitude, positive self-talk can go a long way. There's another guy, um, check out Impact Theory with Tom Bilyeu. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got some good nuggets from him. Um, so you can follow me, Michael Seeley. <laughs> got, got my own YouTube channel, Instagram, all that good social media stuff. So I, you know, I synthesize what I've learned over the years and learned from other people as well. So. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, then kind of just trying to bring it home. Um, sure. if, if someone was a beginner, like starter athlete, um, where would be like the one to three habits or three things to do in order to really improve their mental health or mental performance mm -hmm. game? Yeah. 
I think definitely what I was talking about earlier is that that morning gratitude exercise. Okay. Is okay. is huge. I think just everyone should do that regardless of what kind of performance you want. Um, okay. So that would be the starter kit. Would be the morning uh, three things you're grateful for, three things you are proud of, appreciate about yourself. That's huge. Um, I think um, having a uh, a planner or a, some sort of a journal or planner of planning planning ahead without getting a specifics, but you you got to write down your goals, mm -hmm. right? And this is. People are always told to do this. They, they'll do it and they'll forget about them, put them away. Um, so part of the starter kit is having not too many goals, but like maybe one or two. Have it written down and tape it to your wall right in front of your computer on your fridge. You're just looking at it all the time. All the time. Yeah. That's huge. Um, then I would also write down a, a mission statement. So goals are different from mission statement. Goals are, uh, you know, achievements or landmarks. And then when you reach them, you set new goals. A mission statement is something different. It's something that you're always steering toward, your philosophy. And, and I, I have one. I have it uh, framed right, right here in my home office. Um, so it, I look at it every day. And it's, uh, I think that's important, too. So for, say, for an athlete or a high performer, um, spend some time coming up with uh, a mission statement. Um, and try to make it succinct, maybe three sentences tops. It's why you do what you do. Right? So why are you a coach? Why are you um, an athlete? Why, uh, why are you a mom? Why are you an, a business person? Why are you a plumber, a lawyer? And it, it has to be some sort of a deeper serving, serving other people like a plumber, for example, helps people. Yeah. Like if you got bad plumbing, you're not liking life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, th I think that's it right there is the, the morning gratitude, um, always having goals that are, you know, simple, not too many, and then having that mission statement. That's basically the starter kit. That will keep your mind on the positive track. And there's a lot of other, you know, self-talk exercises we could talk about, but that's more, um, need some more education on how to really do that. But that, my top three is what I just told you there. Okay, right on. And following up on that, if you were an established athlete, what would be like the three, like assuming that you're doing the basics, like mm -hmm. what would you, if you had to assess an athlete, right? So say I'm a ultimate Frisbee champion, which I'm yeah. not. Um, but, um, and I'm like, hey, Michael, I'd really love to up, my ultimate frisbee game like what would you yeah. maybe like what would be your checklist to be like do you have this do you have this do you have this um mm -hmm. to help take someone that's experienced to that next level yeah uh you know first i want to ask is there is there anything that's uh that's not working that's really bothering you right so that's mm -hmm. but if we're assuming that you know nothing's really wrong and you just want to improve your level right so um I would say I don't necessarily have like a like a like a starter kit for that, um, but I would say the first thing would be trying an experiment where uh, we talked about this earlier is doing that that switch like that intensity switch like in your next you know Sean your next ultimate frisbee game <laughs> I I want you to pretend that you're playing for um, your own life or that. If you don't, you know, if you don't do well, 
uh, something really bad is going to happen. Okay. Getting into that, that sort of that really intense space, trying that out, um, cultivating that would be would be something to start with. Um, uh, one thing I do also with um, with athletes, without getting too deep on the house cleaning again, is do a life domains assessment, which is like how satisfied are you in all the areas of your life. So you know your relationship with your family, your significant other, your sport, um, your hobbies, and you rate them on a like a zero to ten scale. And if one of those is super low, that's going to be a distraction or like a like a background stressor that can keep your uh, you know, distract your focus. And I would say, well, do you want to take care of that? Maybe work with a therapist, or is there something you need to do there? Because if if there's something that's draining your energy and focus, even if you're the most focus compartmentalizing person like that's going to kind of drift in right um so that would be that would be one thing there too but i don't really have you know for more advanced athletes not really like a like a starter kit it's more of kind of like just tailored like personally where do you want to go what are what are your goals that's the first thing like what do you want to do what does up your game mean what do you want to achieve you know i love that that's essentially what i do as a coach and i love yeah. the, the call out to being more holistic, you know, sometimes okay. you can get so focused in on the thing right. that you're all about and doing that you are 100% right that if your family life's not great or you're doing your sport and you're not going to work and you're struggling with nutrition because you can't buy, you know, decent food or any food for that matter, that's going to impact your performance. So I really love that. So, okay. Um, then I'm just curious, like, in general, do you have any habits that keep you on purpose or mission every day or week or month? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, everything that I've prescribed, I do myself. So. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so I've got my gratitude journal. I could almost reach over and, and, and show you. Uh, so that's that has to happen every day for me. Uh, I can skip it here and there, but I notice, notice a difference. So um, and then um, I always have uh, goals posted and my mission statement. Those are really the, the three things right there that if, you know, like when I travel and those are missing, I, I miss them. Right. <laughs> I miss, miss that direction. Um, well, one thing I've been really better about is having a very strict uh, lights out, screens off time. Oh, awesome. Yeah. It, it, that you, your success the next day starts the night before. Yeah. So it's easy to push the limit and like, let me watch some Netflix late or let me work a little extra late. It bites you the next day. So I've been uh, much more disciplined about getting to bed nice and early, getting about seven and a half hours of sleep, which is, which feels great. So um, sleep, gotta have sleep. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, and I, I love, it reminds me too that like, you know, after, you know, the, this recording, um, one of my mini breaks is to take a minute or two to just close your eyes because we've had mm -hmm. lights behind here, got the screen light. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you work in an office, you have overhead light. And so a lot of times just like fatigue and yep. exhaustion is just because your eyes are strained. And so that, that quick yep. reset can uh, really change how you feel during the day in a very yeah. significant and surprising way. Like it always is like, oh, that was so simple, but like, um, yeah. So impactful. So, um, yeah. Okay. So uh, with that, Michael Seeley, um, thank you so much. I am very grateful that we're able to do this. Um, if there, is there anything that you really enjoyed or loved about the, our talk today, just to kind of end on the high note. So, 
Sure. Uh, your positive energy, man. I, you know, whenever we talk, I always get uh, fired up. So that's just something that you have. I think that it's it's a gift that you have, and you're sharing that with people. And uh, I think you're. It's great that you're launching your podcast. It's going to help a lot of people. Oh, thank you so so much. Yeah, I have a whole bunch of notes that I'll have to <laughs> go through. Oh, there's so many good um, nuggets, and it's always. Um, I'm always super excited for people when they talk about the things that they're really into and knowledgeable and passionate about. Um, so yeah. I love that idea of the switch. I'm trying to think maybe how I can incorporate that a little bit more and experiment with that. Cause you know, my life is one giant experiment for <laughs> all my personal huh? stuff. Um, so we'll see. I'll let you know how that goes. Um, okay. And yeah, there's, there's so much, great stuff that we covered today again i am so uh just grateful and thankful that you're here so with that man yeah. we'll, we'll talk to you soon uh oh where can the, the good people find you um i'll put it below yeah. in the, the show notes but you can sure. share it here it's pretty it's pretty simple when you have a last name that's spelled uh not super commonly so if you just google my name uh, michael seeley you're gonna find all my social media stuff all my websites everything that's probably the easiest way to do it uh, i've been doing a lot of stuff on instagram same Michael Seeley um, Instagram. Uh, been doing some uh, a lot of videos there. So okay, we'll direct yeah. folks to Instagram. You guys know how to Google. And uh, again, thanks, and we'll uh, see you next time, man. Take care. Been a pleasure. Thanks, Sean. All right, what a great interview with Michael. So the three takeaways from this episode to help you live a little bit more meaningful, stuff that you can apply to your life from our conversation is to do that morning gratitude exercise, the three things that you're grateful for every day or you know, that you're proud about, all that. So make sure you do that every morning. Write down your goals and you know, create your mission statement. So that's what we learned today. If you would, please help out the podcast by going to Apple Podcasts and subscribing and leaving a comment for the Meaningful Revolution podcast. You know, help us make this a, a movement. And I really would love your assistance there. And you can always go to sean.coach, www.shawn.coach if you want to learn more about my high-performance coaching business or about me at all. So uh, the next episode that we have is all about the power of ritual with my good friend Nicole Sugihara. So make sure you check that out. We talk about a lot of really awesome things there. I'm really excited to bring this to you guys. So we'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Thank you.